Hey, it's Casey Cheshire from EO Boston. It's an honor for my team at Ringmaster to partner with EO Atlanta to produce this great podcast. If you're interested in an experience share around what it takes to launch a podcast, how to be a better host, or a great guest, shoot me an email at casey at ringmaster.com. And now back to the show. Entrepreneurship is hard. So let's fix that and dive into our hero's journeys. This is Taking Flight, an entrepreneur's journey, and I'm Sarah Torville. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of those already in flight. This show is sponsored by EO Atlanta. Hello and welcome everybody to our listeners, to our watchers. It's going to be another very exciting episode of EO Atlanta Taking Flight. We're getting some really great momentum with um, our episodes and just speaking to some of the most incredible entrepreneurs in in Atlanta. And I have another phenomenal entrepreneur joining us today. So I'm really delighted to have this lady join us. She is a marketing expert. She has dedicated herself to driving the company's growth and success. She has a passion for growth strategy and implementation. And she's the Chief Operating Officer of Cargo Sprint. I'd like to welcome Rayo Torres. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Sarah. You're welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. And I got to start off. I know I think I said this to you, Rayo, that I might do this to you. But when I was speaking to you initially, you did tell me that the name Rayo means thunder. And I just can't think of a more incredible name for a female entrepreneur like yourself. So (laughs) (laughs) how amazing. Yeah. So I want to hear all about the thunderous story of your entrepreneurship. So so let's let's do this. Um, Okay. So first question I want to really kind of delve into, Rayo, is what did you get right when you took your first flight into your entrepreneurial journey? The first thing we got right, uh, it was the clarity on the problem we were solving, that that's very important. Mm-hmm. And how we added value to the users who we're connecting and in, in our platform. And what was the the main core problem we were solving with our technology. But how did you do that? Like, cause that's if only that was easy. Because we all know as entrepreneurs, it's like sometimes we got to keep like really thinking about, well, what is the problem we're solving and does it really align to the clients? Like, can you just give me a little bit of sense of how did you get to the point where you felt like you really understood and had clarity around that? Yeah. Well, the company was founded by Joshua Wolf and he he was a place order in a customs broker at the time and through himself being a user or in the logistics industry of um, a player mm-hmm. in, in payments, he knew all of the core problems that payments represented in that point in time. Like it was still cargo facilities were being paid by check. Right. And and he knew it was like, this is so archaic. And yes. it's 2012, why checks are still the way to go on payments. He knew he needed to change that and digitize the process. Uh, so that that core problem or, or knowing this is sort of kind of this part of the process in payments need to be digitized. That was the the what we got right in the beginning as a company. Okay. 
Esri, it's interesting you saying that because I remember when I first came to the US in 2013, um, our clients predominantly were wanting to pay us with check as well, which I found to be, I mean, coming <laughs> from Europe, again, that, that did sound very arch- archaic. Um, yeah. I would say more than half were paying us by check. Customers still pay us by check and, and check is, it has seen um, being eradicated through the years and you know, with COVID especially, our payments have been digitized more and more and more. But yeah. there's still, I, we just, a few months ago, we changed uh, an airline from receiving check payments to electronic payments after many years of begging them. Uh, so <laughs> it's uh, it's been a long journey. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's really good. So so who are or who, who were your co-pilots on your journey? I would want to say I'm a co-pilot. The founder is Joshua Wolf. I'm a co-founder. And other important people, I think it's a whole organization. Everyone matters. We are a humanistic company. And in the beginning, most of the people that join, in the beginning, like the operations manager is still with us, that joined with us like many, many years ago. So we've been growing from one person to uh, almost 70 people today, and everybody matters. Um, so in, uh, in the key people that started from the beginning, it's uh, Joshua, was myself, Anna Vasquez, she's still with us. She was the second employee ever in the right. company. Like the first programmer on Gunda is still with us working. Um, and then another key player for the company in our team is his name is Jeff Stubblefield. He's also an innovator, an amazing person, very bright mind. Yeah. Um, so it's it's and a whole team. That's great. I love the fact you use the word where you are a humanistic company. So yes. you um, and obviously you've proven that to go from you know one, two, three people to seventy something people. You're obviously doing something really good with the culture of, of the company. Yeah, that that's our core. We are, a, we would like to think like it's a buzzword to say, oh, we're a technology company. But the truth is that all technology companies are serving humans. Yes. Uh, and and to enhance the human experience, it's our mission. And we are a humanistic company that through technology we enhance experiences for those people who work in the cargo industry, which yeah. is a very stressful industry for those right. who work in, in there and moving cargo, especially air cargo that moves very fast that you can right. work to storage charges. Uh, and uh, for a free order, that means eating away their profits. If they run into storage versus something they quote to a customer, uh, it's a stressful. So right. we are trying to diminish those levels of stress for the operators. So if we can help a little bit, you know, and, and they can be more relaxed or have a better experience through their work day, that's that then we are we are making a difference. Yes. Yeah, I really agree with that. And I suppose, yeah, the way that your team handle those conversations and you know, especially if there is an urgent situation, the way you guys handle it can really kind of ease ease that stress and ease that burden for your clients. Before it was like, I'm talking about 10 years ago, they will have to mail a check uh, to a facility. 
So we put printers within the ratio of the facility and the airport, and we will print our own checks and deliver in the same day through a network of messengers that we created right. 10 right. years ago. So they will know that their payment will go in the same day uh, with us versus waiting another day uh, and mailing a check. And probably they will be paying a lot of storage charges uh, because of the late payment that will hold their cargo for another day. Right, right. And that can get expensive, I can imagine. Yes. You've got a lot of cargo. And when you say cargo, just so I understand it, because I mean, my only experience with cargo is when we move from England to America, we have to take a two 20-foot containers of, you know, with our furniture. Is that when, is, I mean, what kind of cargo are you, are you kind of enabling to be moved? Yeah. We concentrate our niche is uh, we started in air cargo. Uh, so we pay for import service charges to ground handling agents in United States. And right. we expanded. We also pay ocean charges uh, to carriers. Uh, we also pay trucking uh, charges um, and, and to cargo facilities and also between freight forwarders. Now our network has expanded, but we our main niche in the beginning was in cargo. Okay, but, but what type of cargo? Is that just, you say? We, we pay fees. We pay okay. them. So pay if, them. You, if you're a trucker and you want to be paid uh, through yeah. a digital platform, then okay. they can use us and we can establish the trucker as a vendor. And then a freight forwarder can pay those charges right. to the truckers through our platform. So the content of the cargo doesn't matter. So no, you don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No. That's, okay, that's not yeah. part of it. Okay, got it. Got yeah. it. Thank you for explaining that to me. Okay. So, what yeah. is a challenge that you and your team had to solve recently? Recently, um, as you mentioned, it, the culture in the company is very, very important uh, because you can have a lot of competition, but the difference, it will be. I, I'm very like um, about the energy. So, I think. The core of a company, it's the team and the energy and what's the vision and the why of the company. Mm -hmm. So when you are in the office, it's uh, very easy to feed on each other energy and have that synergy and, and that culture built in. One of the challenges was for many, as many other companies, was like to move to remote and then now try to go hybrid. And regardless if you are in the office or if you are in another in your home, uh, you still need to connect on the why of the company, and yes. you still need to remember not just in a boring annual presentation about mission, vision, and values, and have them, you know, mention in just to comply with the program, but uh, leave them through the core and be mentioning and living and breathing through that through them on why we exist, because yes. otherwise. People can get enrolled in the monotony of their jobs, right? Answering emails, I'm boring, and this is what's the purpose of my existence. Yeah. So it's a constant reminder of why we matter and why yes. what we do matters for others. And so how are you doing that? Well, we have a program and we communicate daily with everyone. We have people in Guadalajara, we have people in India, Philippines, and all over the United States. Uh, so we communicate daily through a chat, right. but it's a culture chat and we, every day we post reminders. We have a program um, right. and like on Monday, it's the value day 
and we remind everyone and we encourage everyone to participate on the values of the company and we remind them of one value of the week, right? Like it can okay. be teamwork or it can be um, uh, perseverance, accountability. Some, those are some of our values for innovation. Right. And then uh, we have Wellness Tuesday where we share information of uh, how they can, you know, look after themselves and, and mental health, physical health, emotional health, different topics. Yeah. On Wednesday, we send information about everyone because we don't know each other face on face, face to face. So we post information about our team. And so everybody can have the spotlight on them for a little bit of time and, and so on. I love that. That's that's wonderful. Okay. So what, what was the platform you said you used to do that? That is on Microsoft Teams. We, oh, we Microsoft have a channel Teams. of communication. We have everyone in one channel that it's a culture channel. Of course, you have other teams and for projects and everything. But on the culture channel, we use that as a reminder. And yeah. we also have activities like chill and chat. Chill and chat is uh, every three weeks you get with different people across the company in a chat room just to talk anything but work. Okay. Uh, and we introduce ourselves, we talk about there's a moderator and, and we try to connect beyond work and yeah. bring our shiny self. It's yeah. so important when your team is spread all around the world and you're dealing with different cultures and you've got to remind people, yeah, why they are important. So, um, so do you have, out of interest, do you have, Rayo, a, um, an, like a head of culture person or who, who leads all those efforts? Uh, well, right now I'm leading them. Okay. I'm, I'm, well, I'm chief operating officer, but I take seriously, very seriously um, what culture is. I continue to ed educate myself. Uh, yeah. So I've been attending some MIT courses um, on leading Highly per, uh, high performance or high performing organizations. I was the last one, and I'm very passionate about keeping the organization like very motivated. Uh, yeah. Not just because you know the money or for return on the investment. Or, the books are separated, but yeah. the, the dignity on, on the job it needs to be meaningful. It's very important, yeah. but that person has meaning to their job, yeah. and that's very hard to achieve when it's a monotonous routine work, like replying to emails constantly, but they, there's a why behind yes, and I can understand that there's another human beyond the screen that can be a different optics for the person doing the yeah. job every day. That's excellent. I love that. So what piece of advice might you offer to somebody else then who's got people spread all around the world? Is there anything, Will, do you, I mean, I love the fact you're doing these initiatives. But I don't know if there's a, is there any advice you can give to somebody who's who maybe is struggling to create that culture because people are spread all around the world. Everything starts from within. Mm -hmm. So I think everything that is surrounding us, it's a reflection of what we carry inside. So if we don't know where to start, let's look inside of us yeah. and say, uh, what I need to improve in myself. Because maybe if we're in a leadership position, maybe we are very good at some things and that's what the reflection of the organization will be. Mm -hmm. But maybe we need to improve in some other things like empathy. Maybe we don't give so much importance to empathy. Mm -hmm. and, and if we look inner, 
in, inside of ourselves and we say, yeah, I'm not that empathetic. And then maybe we can work in empathy, with empathy yeah. as a yeah. value or some other things, right? But yeah. we need to keep in mind uh, that the organization is a reflection of the leader. There's yeah. no other way around. There's yeah. no blame into they don't follow, they don't do. No, a leader needs to take full responsibility on their development of the organization and it starts with the leader it's himself or herself. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's great. Wonderful advice. Thank you for that, for sharing that. And then you mentioned you'd been doing some MIT, I think you said MIT courses. So are they part of the entrepreneurs organization? Is that separate? Yeah, no, it's separate. Um, I'm doing an innovation a program that it's different, different courses. This month we are taking a platform strategy Mm -hmm. Uh, of course, it's very interesting and exciting. So I love just going back for fun. And, yes. <laughs> and, uh, sometimes it's like two, three days, uh, yeah. days of school. Some other days are like a couple hours in the morning. But you right. network with really interesting minds yeah. and also learn all the time new information that you can bring back into your company. Yeah, that's wonderful. Okay, great. So is there a favorite book right now that you want to mention to anyone? I don't know if it's related to the challenge you've been working on or just something in general you want to share. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I try to read the books uh, uh, a lot. Uh, and right now we work, uh, we were in, in, at the Yale with Dan Dapani. Oh, his, yes. Uh, and his book, uh, Focus. Um, so I'm reading that book. From him and I'm loving it. It's a lot of like he talk on the workshop, but yeah. I think uh, in general my favorite book is the one I'm reading. I have a very bad um, memory. Well, in then the bunny will be saying you have a very bad memory because you're saying you have a very bad memory. But I, I usually read and concentrate in what I'm reading at the moment. Yeah. So I try, try to keep reading books that remind me of being mindful and yeah. aware and conscious and being away because it's very easy to get lost uh, with the right mindset that you want to have uh, that it's about abundance love compassion and high vibrations yeah. um, so to fit that mindset and that energy i always need to be reading stuff that fits those magnetic right. fields uh, right. and so every book that i'm reading at the moment is my favorite book okay that's wonderful. So many favorite books. Okay. <laughs> I didn't I didn't get to go to the Dandapani event, which I'm so disappointed about. I had a, a workshop that day, but I've heard amazing things. So but you're saying his yeah. book is called Focus, is that right? Yes. I have the book. It's in my bedroom upstairs. But yeah. but if you search, I think it's the only book he has so okay. far. Okay. I'm gonna check that out. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. That. So what excites you about your future of flight? Like wh where are you heading? Well, um, the, the one day I was in the most, uh, they call it the most innovative mile in the United States. Okay. Uh, it's like you walks away from MIT. And I was okay. walking there and there was a, a wall and it said the future is bright. Um, so I'm always, I think, thinking of the future, it always gets me excited of all yeah. the possibilities yeah. that are endless. And um and for me, for myself right now, I'm open to many options. Of course, the development of Cargo Sprint is a very exciting one. 
on yeah. how to implement all the learning things that uh, all the learning that I'm experiencing at the platform development with a strategy with MIT mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, we can do this, we can do that. And continuous innovation for yes. the high performance of, of our platform and keeping our users happy. Yeah. So yeah. that's always exciting. And the future is like what I feed from mostly on, on energy. Yeah. That's fantastic. And it's so nice that you're in that position. I love the fact that you can take, you know, it's important to take the time to think and learn, like you say, and how do you bring innovative thinking back into the company? And so um, learning from the from the brightest minds. I mean, MIT obviously has a phenomenal reputation. It needs like, you know, because when when you're in a position of power and you're like, I'm the leader or, you know, you can look at the past. That's what the future, I love the future because it keeps you hungry. Yeah. And the past, if you achieve somewhat of success and yeah. you look at the past and you can be comfortable and yeah. say, well, I already did all of this. But yeah. if you look at the future and yeah. you say, I haven't done all of that, <laughs> I'm at a very basic level and it keeps yeah. you hungry. Yeah. But um, so as a leader, just thinking of, oh, I accomplished this much and, and some some of the the problems are dangers of being a successful person in your company or your company being successful is thinking, I already know it all. Yeah. So that's like, that's bad because yeah. it's a stagnant yeah. uh, learning and you don't learn anymore. Yeah. If, and if you're not growing, then you're dying. That's a law yeah. of nature. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So even this mindset of learning all the time and what I need to learn and being hungry also for knowledge is, uh, it's thrilling to me. Yeah. No, you're making me excited. So I agree. And that's how it should be. Um, And I think it keeps you, um, like you say, when you look back and feel like you've done that, but there's all this, it keeps you very humble too, because there's so much more to accomplish, you know, and and never feel like you've accomplished it all because none of us have. And we're constantly learning. Yeah. And and it's a thing of the past and the past is dead. Like, it's like... People who want to work out, right? If you think, oh, I already have the nice body I wanted, I don't yeah. need to work out anymore, then eh, that's not very good. No, and the like, body will decline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you are like, we need to keep always thinking of what's next, what, yeah. what's next to keep that momentum going on. I agree. I agree. So um, thank you so much for that. I want to learn more about you. So I want to learn more about like, what were some kind of significant milestones in your life, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, even even before you were an entrepreneur, do you think that set you out on this pathway? The most important part for me, it was like, uh, I think uh, a time when you turn a switch and it's a dark room and you turn the light and everything changes. The whole optics of the room will change. So for me, it was the discovery that I had an option of changing my thoughts. Like it was a moment in my life where I, everything I thought, I don't need to challenge my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm set to be sad, that's all what, all what I, can I do? Um, so I started seeing myself as a hardware, my body and software, my mind. I'm like, if I can change my mind, then I can live a different life, but I need to rewire my brain or yeah. rewrite the code and having that level of consciousness 
of thinking I can be my own software developer and I can rewrite the code according to create whatever reality yeah. I can. That was very insightful because I I was like, as a child, I, I grew up depressive and, you know, I lost my dad when I was, I stopped seeing him when he was three and he died from a heart right. attack when he was six. Mm. When I was six, right. he was 33. And right. so that yeah. event added a lot of gloominess to my mm. life. And I was like, if I relate myself to a character on the Winnie the Pooh, I was a your. And yeah. all the time I was just like sad and depressed. And I was, I, I got to a point when I was just like, I don't want to live the rest of my life gloomy. No. Uh, what can I do to turn it around? And it was everything in my brain, which is our computer. Yeah. And, and start seeing the, the system of thoughts and, and consciousness of your own thoughts and how you can change them and reframe them and challenge them. The system of beliefs, that was like interesting. And that was the switch in the point of my life where I was like, wow. Life is fascinating. You're touching on some interesting topics, which conversations I have at home with my children and like cognitive therapy and, you know, reframing how you think about things. And um, how did you go about and doing that? Did you get, I mean, how do you do that? That's amazing you did that. Because I, you know, we see a lot of people who can be very negative, but you're right. You can spend time on changing the software in your head. But how did you do that? So the first thing is self-observation and self-awareness. Because if we are not conscious, we are not self-aware, then we might be cooking and cleaning or sending an email, and we might be already engaging emotionally with a thought. But if we remind ourselves constantly to, to observe without judgment, and Jido Krishnamurti speaks a lot about it, and his book, one of his books that I love, it's like the Bible to me, is the uh, um, awakening of the intelligence. And, and he talks about it, of okay. self-observation without judgment. Because if we cut ourselves uh, and, and we observe a pattern of behavior and then we judge ourselves right away, oh, I, I'm angry again, I'm such an angry person. We're judging and then we are enrolling in more emotions and frustration. But if we yeah. judge, if we, we observe without judgment and we remove the judgment away from ourselves, then we can do it for others. Right. And then we can have an objective picture of who we are and get to know ourselves better. And then maybe after collecting many, many pictures, we can say, oh, this is interesting. I have a pattern of this behavior. Like every time somebody calls me short, I get mad. Yeah. And you or, or XYZ, right? Then we can start finding ourselves and mm -hmm. and carding and, and, and seeing what are our, our triggers, what are our dreams, what are our fears, what wounds do we have? But that's like many years of observation, but everything starts with the um, self remembrance or um, to remember to observe observe ourselves without judgment. Right. And that's difficult. Yeah. Um, I, I studied a little bit yeah. on J.I. Gurdjieff. He was a Russian philosopher. He founded the Fourth Way School, uh, and I was going a couple of years there. And they have these techniques, especially 
to ground yourself in the present moment through the body sensation. I feel like I put a lot of effort into myself when I was younger, like you did, um, with cognitive therapy. And I read a lot. Um, I have children who also, you know, teenage girls and they, a lot of self-doubt happens, you know, as with teenage daughters and even as a parent, you constantly try and reinforce them. But um, I feel like they need this kind of level of help, like you say, to kind of be self-aware and, and think about how they come across and how, how do you improve your thought processes. So I appreciate you sharing that. I wanted to ask uh, Pani, like, can I ship you my teenagers for two weeks to Costa Rica? <laughs> yes. So you can teach them about concentration. Now these kids are all the time in their phones and uh, on yeah. Snapchat and these yeah. are that and their attention is yeah, like yeah. sleep. So yeah. I'm like, I will send them to your booth gap. Yes. You just call up what, please. Please. <laughs> That's a great, actually, he should do something for children, shouldn't he? We should talk Always. about that. Two weeks without phones and, and being mindful and teaching, training them because he was talking about how we need to train the mind to obey us and to concentrate. Right. And he, there's a teaching for that. We cannot go and tell somebody to, uh, oh, you need to play piano. Yeah. Well, you, I was never taught how to play yeah. piano. Yeah. So it will be the same way. We cannot tell them someone concentrate if we haven't teach them how to oh, concentrate. So I was just like, you have right. I'm going to send you my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that to him or not? I just thought of it. But I can send him an email and say, please, can you, you just say to him, can you do something for children, EO children? Because I'm going to sign my kids up. Yeah. All right. I will send them two weeks without a phone. Uh, there are books on what the internet is doing to, to the minds. It's one book called The Shallows, what the internet is doing to, to our brains. And the data is, it's sad. How, as a humans, it's reshaping uh, our level of intelligence. We are the first generation with that lower IQ than our before generation. So usually humans generation by generation, yeah. They, yeah. The IQ increases. Right. We are yeah. smarter than our parents. Yeah. So this generation is a fierce one that will decrease in IQ points because of technology. Yeah, well, because we're relying on technology that we're not kind of taking it in and passively or just proactively learning it. I wonder, maybe that's a huge topic. Maybe it, I shouldn't take you down that road. Yeah, no, no. Let's, let's just, before we close on the detour, it's just because the attention span before it was longer for humans. It was like 20 minutes. Now can be like two minutes. What a real last on TikTok or on Instagram. It's just two minutes. So in that span of information, your brain cannot go deep into comprehension. So it's like a muscle. It needs to yeah. be trained for longer to be able to capture more information and understand it. Right. Wow. Okay. That's so interesting. And, and like you say, worrying at the same time. We could spend a long time talking about that. So, okay, um, I was gonna, I think we really asked you this next question, which is really much, very much about like the problem that your company solves, but I feel like you've given us a really good sense of that. But maybe you can just tell us a little bit about what impact you think you have made through what you do. I mean, and again, you've given us a great sense of like, you know, trying to make it less stressful for people and, you know, but is there anything else you want to add about the impact you think you've made or maybe the impact you think you've made to your team? For a good leader, the impact so many times is not seen. Like you cannot see the effect 
that you really cause. Like I, I've seen emails from customers saying, oh, you are wonderful. Thank you so much. And yeah. happy customers. But real, in reality, the impact, it's important. But looking exactly for the impact, I cannot tell because it's a, a metric I shouldn't see. I should always perceive myself like you need to do better yeah, for the yeah. customers. And yeah. because as soon as I'm like, oh, we're great, then yeah. I found that comfort zone. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I'd love to know a little bit more. I mean, you mentioned you have children. It sounds like you have teenage children like me. Um, but like, what do you do for fun? What does your life look like when you're not focused on the business or at MIT? I don't so much. Uh, <laughs> well, I read. I try to read uh, a lot on, or listen to podcasts. Yeah. Or um, listen to audiobooks, but I try to constantly be very selective with this kind of information that my mind consumes, right. because that will impact on my emotional state. That will impact on what types of thoughts I'm having. So, yeah. so just careful I am with my foods. It's imp equally important the information that I consume. So for that reason, I'm very restrictive. I have a very restricted diet on my reading and I go right. to workout. I go to the gym like every day for a couple of, of hours a day. That's like my anxiety pill. Yeah. Uh, I don't take pills, but that keeps me yeah. just working out. Um, it, it keeps me, releases the endorphins yeah. ready for, to have a happy day yeah. and, and controlled. And I like to study and the rest right now and have my hands are you busy with my yeah. kids? Yeah. Um, driving them, being the Uber in <laughs> because they don't drive yet. So How old are your children? They are 15, 16, and 13. Okay. And the 16 year old, he has a permit driver, but not, not okay. to drive on his own. So I am, I'm almost there. You are. <laughs> you are almost there. Life gets a little bit easier from a logistics standpoint anyway yeah obviously yeah. there's the worry about what happens when your child's let out behind the, the wheel of a car which i i am dealing with right now well that's wonderful rayo how can people connect you with you what's the right way for them to reach out to you if they want to have you know ask you any questions yeah of course i have a linkedin rayo torres uh on cargo sprint you can find me there on linkedin and um, my website of the company is Cargo Sprint, Cargo Sprint, S P R I N T dot com. And my email address, you can send me an email anytime if you need like any reference, any questions. I think networking and, and it's important and relying yeah. on each other. My email is rayo dot torres, and that's R A Y O dot torres, T O. R-R-E-S at garrosprint.com. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Well, it's been really delightful talking to you today. I think we could have like continued it probably for double the amount of time because you're a very interesting lady. You've got, you know, really great points of view, which I would love to explore more. Hopefully we'll have a chance to do that at some point. But um, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you, Sarah, for having me and have a lovely Thursday. It's almost weekend. I know it is. And well, thank you to our audience. If you learned something today, maybe we made you laugh. Maybe we inspired you. Um, maybe we, we made you think about something you can be doing to like with your company culture, anything like that. Then that we feel like we're making progress because that's the whole point of the EO Atlanta Taking Flight podcast. So um, 
Once again, thank you, Torres. And thank you, everybody. Let's have a great Thursday. And so that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at takingflight.live. For more information about EO Atlanta, visit eoatlanta.org. Special thanks to the following sponsors.